Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by RX Bar. For 25% off your first order of the best seller variety pack, visit rxbar.com forward slash brain and make sure to use the promo code brain at checkout. Valid in the US only and for a limited time. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. And welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. My name is Paul Coliani, and this is the show that helps you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, I'm going to get right into today's topic, which is about leaving something toxic. And this could be a person, place, or thing, any noun in your life that is toxic. Uh, Some people don't like that word toxic, so when I say the word toxic, just replace it with something that you prefer. (laughs) Something that uh, reminds you that you don't like being around it. You don't like being near it. You don't like being in it. Whatever word comes up for you. Uh, With relationships, I like to use the word toxic person, toxic people. I also like the term relationship radiation because when something is toxic, it can also be radioactive. And if you're near something radioactive, it can burn you. And when you're near someone that is radioactive or toxic, and that's kind of a weird term, but uh, you will eventually experience sickness of some sort. You will have symptoms. And that is the degradation of your soul. That's a degradation of your spirit. It's like dehydrating your life energy. It is dissolving how you feel inside slowly but surely every day, incrementally. And I'm sort of emphasizing that because this might be one of those episodes where I really want to drill into you the idea that... um, the more you hang around something toxic, the more you amplify the toxicity inside of you. So we put up all these defenses. We, we get into these toxic situations and we put up these defenses that um, make us think that we can make it through it, that we're going to be okay. It's sort of a denial. It means for some people it's a denial. For other people, they know what's going on. For you, you might know you have something or someone toxic in your life and you're just counting the days until things change. My mom was married for over 40 years to an abusive alcoholic and she counted the days for things to change. And guess what they did? They eventually changed after 40 years. My hope for you is that you don't uh, put yourself in a situation or stay in a situation like that for so long that life passes you by while you're waiting for some something else or someone else to change. I don't want you in that situation. I want you in a place where when you wake up in the morning, 
you feel pretty good. Not only about what what situation you're in, what relationship you're in, what job you're in, but you feel good about yourself for the decisions that you're making every day. And this is a challenge uh, for some people. It's a challenge because there are obligations that we've set ourselves up to have. There are children, there are commitments, there are mortgages, that are, there are cities that we live in that uh, we've made a commitment to. There are family that we live near. There are other people that we've made commitments to. We make all these commitments and set ourselves up for all these obligations and responsibilities that we feel locked in. And when you feel locked in, you feel like you have no choice. If you feel like you have no choice, you feel like you have no options. If you feel like you have no options, you feel stuck. You feel stagnant. You feel like you're in a rut and you don't know how to get out. So I like to plant the seed of empowerment. And this is one of those episodes where I help plant the seed of empowerment, personal power, so that you can know that there is that light that you are looking toward that actually can pull you out of this. It's that beacon that is calling to you. That beacon that says, keep going this direction so that we can start the process of getting out of this rut. Climbing out of this deep well, this unhealthy well that we're in. So when you're in any type of situation that is toxic, that has radiation, that has emotional poison of some sort, we have to remember that most of the time, I don't want to lay too much blame on you, (laughs) or I don't want to call it blame, but responsibility for sure. Uh, Most of the time we set ourselves up that way. Now, when we did, we didn't know it was going to be toxic, or maybe we denied some of the signs of toxicity, but we didn't know it was going to be toxic. And then it got toxic. Then it got worse. Then it got hard to manage, hard to deal with. It's like, um, my girlfriend, she, when she was married, that her marriage was not healthy. She knew there were signs, yet she still agreed and she still went forward with it. Of course, you can look back and see all those signs in hindsight very easily. But back then, you're making the best decisions with the resources that you have and you're thinking that things will be okay. Okay, they're good enough. For her, it may have been, um, hey, I've got nothing better, nothing else better going on, so I'll just do this. It's not it's not a bad thing. I'm marrying my best friend, so on and so on. And then all of the red flags or yellow flags at the time definitely turned into red flags, definitely turned into reality. But now she committed to all these obligations and responsibilities. She signed herself over to the marriage and now she feels stuck. Now she feels like she can't get out of it. But that's what we do. We, we commit ourselves to these things, to these people, to these places And we think there's no way out. We think there's no way to change. So what we do is keep doing what we promised ourselves that we would keep doing. I want you to think about that because the commitments that you make are pretty much promises to yourself along with promises to other people that when we consider what it takes to change that, we pretty much have to go against our own values. Because we committed, we promised, I promised that I would do this job. I promised that I would love this person forever. I promised that I would stay in this relationship. I promised I would always do this or that. 
then we come up to some sort of toxic or unhealthy atmosphere and we have to face our own promise, our own commitment. And what does that say about us? It reminds me when I had to talk to an attorney about getting a bankruptcy way back in 2000 something. I didn't want to do it because I was a person of honor. I was a person of loyalty. I think that's my um, sign in the Chinese Zodiac too, the dog, the, the one who is loyal. I was that person and I still am that person, but I felt so loyal that filing for bankruptcy was so against my value system that I would never consider it. And I kept getting into more and more debt and I kept getting more and more stressed I had anxiety. I had all the signs and symptoms of someone who was overwhelmed. You know, if you want to know how this show was born, that's kind of the origins there, but that's part of it. And it was not going to get better. It was only going to get worse. And then I got married and I was still in this debt. And my wife told me, why don't you file for bankruptcy? And I said, no way. I will not do it. I will never do it because I am not that type of person. I made a promise to myself that I would never lie. I would never steal. I would never take something that isn't mine. And here I was faced with the concept that I would probably be stressed until I got out of debt. And that debt wasn't getting any better. It was during the mortgage crisis. It was during a lot of harsh realities that were kicking in in my life. And I had a lot of realizations that This isn't going to get better. It's going to get worse. And I'm just going to have to suffer with it. And after a few months of considering all the options, I finally decided to file for bankruptcy against my own values, against my better judgment, against everything I stood for in myself, against my own character. And this is why it can be so hard to break it off with toxic people and situations and jobs and cities, wherever you are, whoever you're with, when there's a toxic element to it or a lot of toxic elements or components to it, and you're the type of person that sticks to your commitments and doesn't break promises, you can keep yourself in that toxic situation. And yes, it will disintegrate you. It will dissolve you. It will hit you at your core. So your, your spirit is broken and you end up, like my girlfriend called herself after her marriage, a shell of your former self. When her marriage ended, she said, I was a shell of my former self. I didn't even know who I was anymore. And this is one of those things that I like to avoid nowadays. I don't like disintegrating my spirit, my soul to the point where I don't know who I am anymore. I know there are people that write to me that say this in so many words all the time. I don't want you to get to that point. And if you're already at that point, I want you to start thinking of a way out of that. And one of the ways is to remember the promises and obligations and responsibilities that you made to yourself and others. And remember that when you made those, things were good. I'm assuming things were good. Things were, let's put it this way, in a better light. And those circumstances, when they change, when the light is not so good, when the situation becomes toxic, the contract changes. 
the contract is no longer the one you signed. The contract is different. And because of that, you are no longer obligated to fulfill your responsibilities because the terms have changed. Now, I'm not relating this to my own bankruptcy. I am still a person of honor that likes to follow through and pay my debts. Uh, I had to do what I had to do at that time because it was just overwhelming. There was credit card debt. There was a condo that was not being paid for anymore because my renter stopped paying. There was a lot of circumstances. And so my best choice at that time uh, was to get out of that debt and make the hard choice to not only benefit me, but to get into a better space so that I could become a productive member of society again, if we're going to look at it in a bigger picture, but also to get all the stress, all the anxiety out. Not that I'm promoting bankruptcy, but in my case, it really helped. In a lot of other cases, it really helped. It helped my girlfriend. It helped a lot of people that I know. I'm not saying that's the best way to do it. I tried to work with my credit card companies. I tried to work with the HOA that was demanding their uh, payment. I was, tried to work with the mortgage company and there was nothing more I could do. Uh, some of them wouldn't work with me at all. And what happened was I ended up filing bankruptcy. All my debt was wiped. And then it took me 10 years to rebuild, to get excellent credit again. And here I am now a contributing member of society, even buying a house and supporting our financial ecosystem. I know this is really big picture stuff, but to me, it was important. Um, my reputation, my status at the time, it was important that I wasn't seen as that person who would do that because that's something else that can really frighten us into taking the right steps for ourselves is that someone else or society is going to look at us and think, I can't believe that person did that. That person is no good. That person is untrustworthy. And for a while, that's what it felt like. Because, you know, during my bankruptcy, it was like nobody wanted to give me money, of course, after that. Uh, but that's okay. Because I was taking a new direction with my life. I had to learn my lessons. And I had to take steps that were against my character and my values in order to shift my entire life in a new direction and take my lessons and become someone that I'm very proud of. And this is what happens when you take a step out of the toxic environment that you're in, even when you put yourself there, even when you look back and you remember that I put myself in this situation, so it's my fault, so I'm obligated and I'm committed to stay this way until things resolve themselves or until I work this off 10, 20, 50 years down the road. When you commit to something that keeps you unhappy for the majority of your lifetime, it's no fun. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to work things out. I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to um, figure out what it takes to become happier, to become less stressed, to become less anxious about your situation. I'm not saying you shouldn't talk to people. You shouldn't negotiate in my case. You shouldn't try to figure out a better way of dealing with things or letting people know what is acceptable and what is not acceptable, you know, personal boundaries so that you can enjoy life just a bit more. Otherwise, where are you? What are you doing? If you're in a bad situation or a bad relationship, what are you doing there and why are you still there? Which brings us full circle to I have responsibilities, I have obligations, I have commitments, I don't want to be that person. 
All of these things hold us back from changing our lives and stepping into the big unknown, which is something we do when we're so used to something the way it is that when we step out of the way it is, which could be very toxic sometimes, what does that mean? If it's toxic now, then stepping away from it, yes, it's scary. It can be scary. Yes, it can be a big leap of faith into the unknown, into the abyss, but always remember what it's not. Just have some sort of focal point there so that you're not so focused on the fear, but you are more focused on what you're leaving behind. And yes, there are some good things that we leave behind too. We think that we're leaving behind the the best it can be, but we can't always bring our best selves into the situations we're in, especially when those situations are toxic, unhealthy, unmanageable, irrational, annoying. We can't bring our best selves, which means what does the situation turn into if we're not bringing our best selves into those situations? I'm going to talk about more about bringing your best self into situations when we come back. So stick around. I'll be right back after this. So the other day, my girlfriend reaches into the RX bars and she says, hey, can I have the coconut chocolate? And I asked, why are, why are you asking me? You can have any one of those bars you want. And she goes, I know that's your favorite. <laughs> and I thought that was very nice. Very nice of you, honey. Thank you so much. And um, I said, no, no, no. I, I like the other flavors too. I just happen to love the coconut. Oh, was it coconut chocolate? Maybe it was chocolate sea salt. You know what? I love them both equally. And regardless of whatever one she chose, it was still one of my favorites. I think it was chocolate sea salt. So she took the chocolate sea salt and I'm like, yeah, there's plenty of other flavors. I can choose any of those flavors. But she said, I know, I know you just, you like that one the most. And I was like, no, 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 I, I love it. And uh, I don't need to have that particular one because there's others that I love as well. Like the peanut butter and chocolate. That's another one with chocolate. Uh, The apple cinnamon, the maple sea salt, the uh, mint chocolate, uh, the coconut hazelnut, the um, peanut butter and berries. There's a lot of flavors that you can choose from to toss in your backpack for a bike ride or a hike or like me before we take a trip anywhere that I haven't eaten yet uh, or I just want a snack. It's a great little condensed bar to chew on for a long time. I like to take my time with it. I actually take a few bites, stick it in my back pocket, take it back out, take a few bites, and it keeps my energy up and it keeps me going. And it has been my go-to for, I don't know, over a year now, ever since I found out about them. Ever since they started sponsoring the show and I got my first box and I opened it up and I was pleasantly surprised and very pleased. They have ingredients like unsweetened chocolate, real fruit, spices like sea salt and cinnamon, And um, they're gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free. They're a great breakfast on the go. They're a great snack at the office to push you through that 3 p.m. slump. (laughs) I don't know if you get those, but sometimes I do. And on and on. I really like them because they have no added sugars. I don't know how many products you pick up nowadays and look at the ingredients, and you see all these added sugars, all of these things that add 
to something that already has sugar in it. Like um, RX bars come with uh, whole ingredients like egg whites and dates and nuts and real fruit like I was saying earlier. And of course they have ones without nuts as well in case you're allergic to that. So I want you to go to rxbar.com forward slash brain and use the promo code brain when checking out and you'll get 25% off your first order of their best seller variety pack. Like I said at the beginning there, um, this is valid in the U.S. only and it's for a limited time, but I highly recommend, even if you can't get the discount outside the U.S., that you try them anyway. They are, I mean, I don't even get the discount. I just go to rxbar.com and order my uh, variety pack. So even though they sponsor the show, I don't wait for them to send send me any free product, which they have, I'll admit, (laughs) but I still buy it. I still go out and eat these bars because I love them and they keep my energy up. So I want you to have something healthy that keeps you moving, that keeps you on the go, that keeps you from being hungry in between meals or whenever you need them. There's no artificial ingredients, no fillers, no preservatives, none of that general BS. RX Bar set out to create a bar with a few simple, clean ingredients. And that's what I want for you. Go to rxbar.com forward slash brain. Use the promo code brain during checkout and you'll get 25% off their variety pack. Check out their other flavors. Check out their nut butter flavors too. Those are pretty cool rxbar.com forward slash brain. All right, welcome back. Today's show is sort of inspired by or heavily inspired by an email that I got from someone who said it's not okay to leave toxic family. In so many words, because they're family. And this really got me intrigued because um, the person was very, very adamant, uh, even shaming me, trying to shame me into thinking that it was bad advice to tell anyone to leave family, to leave blood family when they're toxic. They said, that's not the answer. You need to work things out and their family and family always comes first. I don't know the exact words, but uh, I was really taken aback by this email because it was very harsh and I wrote about it in the newsletter and if you got the newsletter you probably saw the newsletter that said uh, someone said I should be ashamed of myself and uh, I got a lot of responses to that so the people who wrote back uh, regarding that newsletter thank you so much I'm going to respond to each of you I just haven't had a chance to do that yet but thank you for your responses and um, I think everyone was pretty much agreeing with what I said Uh, not that I was looking for agreement But um, I'm sure the person who wrote to me originally hadn't heard the rest of the story. She probably only heard, uh, if someone's toxic in your life, you should leave them. I think that's all she heard because there's so much more to that. Just from the last segment I was just talking about that, you know, you try to work things out. You try to, I like to exhaust all my efforts before I end something. Like, let's work things out. Let's go to therapy. Let's, uh, you know, if it's a job, let's talk in your office. Let me tell you what my needs are. Or if it's a place you live or a city, let's see what I can do to improve this so I feel better. Let's bring some sunlight into my office. Let's bring some sunlight into my house. You know, the things that make you happy, if you can add those things, will they improve your life in some way that makes it more tolerable or even enjoyable? And if that's the case, then maybe things will change. But let's just say that you've exhausted all your efforts and there's nothing more you can do. And all it is, is that relationship radiation or job radiation or 
location radiation and you are feeling more and more deteriorated every day. When you put yourself in that situation or you're stuck, you feel stagnant or in a rut in that type of situation, that's when things are never going to get better. You tried, things can't get better. So what's next? With family, with this person who wrote to me, she said, you should never, you know, leave your mom or your dad. They raised you. They made so many sacrifices. And I realized how much of this attitude might be out there in the world. Imagine if you were raised to believe that no matter how someone treats you, you shouldn't leave them. That scares me because there are people out there getting, you know, to be blunt, raped that think that it's not okay to report this person or it's not okay to say anything bad about this person because maybe you were raised to believe that it's something that you have to accept. I mean, that's probably a harsh example, but this is what happens. This is what's happening in the world. People get into these situations where they're heavily abused or mistreated and they think, well, I better stay here because I'm supposed to, I'm, I'm committed. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do this for this person. I made a promise to them. So I better take this mistreatment. And um, I think one of the biggest issues in a lot of situations in the world today with people especially is that we grow higher and higher levels of tolerance for bad behavior and then that bad behavior gets worse and then we grow tolerance for that worst behavior and then we again deteriorate we become less of who we are a shell of our former selves and when that happens what's left in the world what's left in our world what are we bringing to the world. That's where I'm going with this uh, today is that I want you to remember that if you, for example, stay in a city where you're bored and uninspired, guess what you're bringing into that city? If you stay in a friendship that annoys you, guess what you're bringing into the friendship? If you stay in a job that makes you feel unimportant, tired, guess what you bring into the job? And of course, if you stay in a relationship where you are struggling and you're trying to figure out ways to love the person, but you can't, guess what you're bringing into the relationship? This is why it's sometimes important, often, to consider that when you've exhausted all your efforts, when you've exhausted all your resources, when you've tried to figure out how to, how to improve a situation that you're in and you can't, when you deteriorate, when your spirit takes a hit, when your psyche takes a hit, if you're not a spiritual person, when your belief systems, when your values, when your character, when your dignity, when your integrity is compromised, when you take that hit, then who do you bring to the table? How do you show up? Who are you anymore? Where did you go? <laughs> where are you now? When you disintegrate to the point where the person you were isn't there anymore. And that's so vital to remember that as you stay in a situation that you've tried and tried and tried to repair or fix or make better in some way, you bring a different version of you into that situation or environment or relationship, causing the entire system to be unstable, to be compromised. 
I know that makes it sound like I'm blaming you for bringing this downgraded version of you into the relationship or into the situation, but what I'm really trying to convey is that I'm helping you understand that by feeling like you're obligated or responsible to stay in a situation or relationship like this after the contract has changed, after the terms have changed, then what you're doing is adding to the unhealthiness, adding to the toxicity. Because if you were fully healthy, if you were not affected by what was going on in there, and you could show up with your boundaries intact and your self-worth and your self-esteem intact, and you could say what was on your mind with confidence, with conviction, then you would have healthier situations. Even if you get into arguments, you would have the ability to communicate in a healthy way. Even when you're angry at another person, even when you feel like the um, conversation went down here really fast because where are you coming from? When you come from a place of that deteriorating self-worth and sometimes lack of self-worth or lack of self-love, lack of um, honoring your personal boundaries, then you're not going to have the best, healthiest communication possible. I mean, you might. I mean, you might be able to pull that out uh, every now and then. But when you show up more healthy than not, then you can have productive communication. You can have productive results and outcomes because you are coming from a place of more clarity. You're coming from a place of more depth inside you, more connection to you. We start losing that connection with ourselves when we are in bad situations that are deteriorating us. We start losing that. And you know what happens then? Like I was saying, who, who do you show up as after maybe years of toxicity. I remember when I was married, my wife was slowly losing herself into the relationship uh, in a bad way because I was highly judgmental. I was emotionally abusive. I would give her their silent treatment. I would give her those dirty looks. I I was not an overall good husband. I had a lot of faults. And she started losing her passion for life. She started becoming depressed. She sat around more. She laid down more. And I thought it was all her. What's her problem? Why doesn't she fix herself? And so I was not supportive. And and, uh, of course, I was already emotionally abusive. So it was worse for her. And she had no support system. And I was supposed to be that person that was supposed to support her and love her and get her through the hard times and through thick or thin. And I wasn't. All I saw was that she was losing her passion for life, losing her spark. And I just thought it was her. What is she going through? What's her problem? And looking back, I can see, of course, she couldn't show up as her best self. She was deteriorating. She was in a relationship that was not supportive, that was not loving, that was not based on thick or thin at all. It was based on what do I want? How can I control her so that she shows up in the way I want? She loses her autonomy. She loses her ability to uh, make decisions in her way, whether she succeeds or fails. She loses her spirit. She loses her soul. She gets to the point where she uh, is no longer happy and it only gets worse. And it took her separating from me, separating from the toxicity in the relationship in order to find herself again. And when she found herself again, and I found myself subsequently, uh, because when we were apart, we didn't influence each other at all. And because of that, I 
became healthier. I understood what I was doing to cause all these things, to cause all these problems in the relationship. I understood how abusive I was being. And she understood that she was in a situation that she couldn't get out of as long as she stayed with me. So this is where the toxicity never ends when you stay in a situation. And how do you get out of it? Sometimes it does involve leaving. Sometimes it does involve separating. Sometimes it involves divorce. Sometimes it involves quitting your job. Sometimes it involves leaving the city or the state or the country that you're in. You know, the saying is, wherever you go, there you are. I don't always agree with it. Sometimes the you that you want to find, that you want to get back, sometimes that you is somewhere else. It's in another city. It's in another job. It's in another relationship. Heck, it might be even another family. Sometimes that you that you want to connect with is restricted when you're around certain people that don't let you connect with it. When I was married, I didn't let my wife connect with herself. I wanted her to act in, a, in accordance to my rules. I sound like a tyrant and I wasn't a tyrant in my relationship, but I was insidious. I was a subtle tyrant. I made her feel bad about herself. I didn't command her to feel bad about herself. I didn't command her to do anything. I just made her feel guilty by using her love for me as a weapon against her so that she would feel bad and do what I wanted her to do. I've talked about this in many other episodes. I'm not proud of the emotional abuse I did with my wife, and I've certainly um, had to heal from that and forgive myself for that and apologize to her for that. And it wasn't easy because I had to get over many, 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 many years of conditioning and programming when I was a child, living with a people pleaser, living with a abusive alcoholic, and having that toxic environment, not knowing any other way to be until my empathy kicked in. And uh, that's one important component uh, for the emotional abuser to change. Well, another topic for another day. But uh, once that empathy kicked in and I realized how she must feel and how I was causing that, then I was able to separate myself from this abusive person I was and um, come to some processing and healing with it. It took some time, but yes, there is a path out of that. So even when you're with a toxic person, it doesn't mean they are purposefully toxic. I wasn't purposely trying to hurt or abuse my wife. I was just that way. That's how I was brought up. That's how I was conditioned. That's how I learned. But, and this is an important but, because I was an adult and I could make adult decisions and I could see the results and the outcomes for those decisions and I realized that the people I was with were hurting, that I could look to myself and take responsibility for the decisions I was making and ask myself if there was a better way. I think that's an important question. Is there a better way to treat this person? When you're in an abusive relationship or a toxic relationship and that person has empathy, then hopefully the question comes up, is there a better way to treat my partner? Is there a better, better way to treat my employee? Is there a better way to um, talk to this person in the grocery store? Hopefully the toxic person or the person behaving, quote, badly in some way, hopefully their empathy will kick in and they'll ask those questions. The flip side is that some people don't have empathy. When someone doesn't have empathy, it's almost impossible for them to care. 
I'm really throwing some people under the bus there, and I'm, I'm sorry if that's you, but when you have empathy, then you feel bad for your behavior towards someone else, if it's bad behavior. When you don't have empathy, you don't feel bad. You don't care. And so you have to be careful when you're around people that just don't care. Look for signs of empathy in, in them. Because if there's no empathy, you're more likely to be in a toxic situation. If you work for a boss that has no empathy, you're more likely to get toxic behavior. Not always. I'm not throwing everyone under the bus here. Some people may not have empathy and know that they don't. So they have to control themselves in different ways. But um, you're more likely to have it when they don't. So you just have to be aware of that. But coming back to what I said about wherever you go, there you are. Uh, again, it's not a phrase I always agree with. I do agree with that wherever you go is a new chance at revealing the way you want to be. Meaning there's somebody inside of you that wants to come out, that wants to break out of this uh, toxic shell that's forming. If you're in any type of toxic situation, there's somebody that wants to break out of there and say, hey, look, I'm here. This is who I want to be. And I will be this person if you get out of this relationship, or I will be this person if you move out of this house, or you move out of this city, or you quit this job. I will be that person. You just have to give me a chance. But then this other person, the one that might have this toxic shell forming around them, says, oh no, that's, that's too scary. I don't want to do that. Or I have too many obligations, or I have too many responsibilities. I get that. And it's hard to get out of that once you have that belief. But it's not impossible. It doesn't mean it's impossible. I've seen, quote, impossible things. I've seen, quote, impossible scenarios that people just couldn't get out of. And they did. It's always possible. There are always people that have done it before you. And you can find them. Internet's a wonderful thing. You can find people that have been through this. Have been through what you might be in right now. How did they do it? How did they get through it? Did they survive? What about the sacrifices I have to make? Sometimes these sacrifices reveal that person inside of you and you let that person out and now you have clarity and now you can honor yourself in a way that is healthy and um, well, it's always healthy to honor yourself, but now you have your self-esteem back. Now you have your self-worth back because you took a step for you. You took a step for the person that you wanted to be and where you went, you arrived. Wherever you go is a new chance at revealing the you that you want to be. You've heard me say this. I sometimes get tired of the same old rehashed personal growth like think positively and wherever you go, there you are. Because when that advice doesn't work, then what? You're left with, well, I, I thought positively and it didn't work. So now what? Or wherever I go, there I am. But what does that mean? That I can't ever change because I moved to a new city and now I still have the same problems? Or I dated a different person or I married a different person and now I still have the same problems? That must mean I'm broken and there's nothing I can do about it. So I guess I'm stuck with what I have. Wherever you go may or may not be where you are. Yes, the lesson is that you learn from your errors. You learn from your mistakes. You learn from your decisions in order to progress so that when you leave a job, a city, a state, a friendship, a relationship, you look back and remember who you were then so that you don't repeat old behaviors that will result in the same outcomes that you had before. 
That's a given. It has to be. You just have to know that's true. You have to learn from your old behaviors. Otherwise, you'll repeat your old behaviors. You don't want the same outcomes. That's why uh, a phrase such as wherever you go, there you are is spoken. It's easy to remember and it's a great reminder. But it can also prevent you from taking steps for yourself that may make all the difference. So it's not like I'm trying to focus on wherever you go, there you are. It just happened to be a catchphrase I latched onto in this episode. But it does make me believe that when we latch onto that kind of phrase in our life, uh, it can actually stop us from taking steps and making decisions that might improve our life in some way. And not only improve our life, but improve the lives of the people around us, of the jobs around us, even the city. You know, I was looking at some big picture here earlier in the episode where how do you show up in your city if you're unhappy? What do you add to that city? How do you contribute if you're unhappy? That's kind of a mean question because you might say, well, I can be unhappy and still contribute. Absolutely. And is it coming from your heart? Are you really involved? Are you really engaged in what you're contributing? And I don't mean volunteering. I mean, you could do that too. I just mean um, simple things like when you're in line at the grocery store, are you generally upset, angry, um, unhappy in some way, shape or form? And when you talk to the cashier or the bagger, do they somehow benefit from your presence or do they feel that underlying energy inside of you because you're just unable to connect in some way, shape or form? Not that that's your duty, not that that's your job. I'm not saying that you should go out there and contribute and you should go out there and try to make people smile. That's a nice thing to do. I'm just saying it's hard to live a happier, more stress-free, more peaceful life when you bring this type of energy to other people and other environments because what spreads? I mean, everything we are spreads out into the world. It's sort of like I said a long time ago, doing this show. One of the reasons I like to do this show and put as much as I know and as much as I learn out out into the world is because I like to hang around people that are empowered. I like to hang around people that are willing and able to honor themselves. I like to hang around people with a lot of self-worth and a lot of self-love, a lot of self-compassion. I love hanging around people like that, which is why I love teaching this. It's not the only reason, but this is one of the reasons I do it is because I want to be happier. It's kind of selfish. (laughs) I want to be happier. And I believe one of the ways to do it is that when I am able to spread messages like this, that uh, more people will be affected and more people will be more pleasant to hang around with. That's not the only reason I do this show. Of course not. But I do believe that is one of the selfish components of this is that uh, I get benefit from people that are willing and able to stand up for themselves. Because when I connect with those people, they are just a good energy to be around. They just feel good to be around. They are their own person. And when you are around people that have self-compassion, that have self-worth, that that are doing things for themselves, are honoring themselves. It feels good to be around them because they want the same for you. I love people that support me honoring myself, just like I support them honoring themselves, just like I support you honoring yourself. 
I want to be around people that pursue happiness in a way where they know it stems from inside them. And in order to spread that happiness to others, all they have to do is show up in a better way, in a better light in themselves. This is kind of the opposite of people-pleasing if you think about it. People-pleasing is the outward pleasing of others to your own detriment, to your own deteriorating happiness and, and sometimes often building resentment. People-pleasing is a very outward thing. I want to make you happy, and if you're happy, then I'll be happy. The opposite of people-pleasing is what I'm kind of talking about here is I'm going to be happy inside first. I'm going to make this happen so that when I show up in a room, I don't have to try to make you happy because my underlying energy is going to shine through, and I'm not saying it's going to make you happy, but it's certainly not an energy that rubs you the wrong way or gives you a negative feeling about me. You're going to be affected in some way if I show up in some way. It doesn't mean we always do it. it doesn't mean we can always show up happy and unfettered by any negativity in the world. It's just a generalized overall, how am I doing things for me? How am I making my life better? so that I can show up for people in a better way. I can show up for people in a healthier way, in a way that they feel good being around me so that I don't have to spend too much energy trying to make them feel good. That's for the people pleasers in the world. Like myself, where I used to be a heavy people pleaser, how do I make you feel good? Well, if I'm happier inside, I don't really have to make you feel anything. The option is there. If you like hanging around with me because I just feel good, I'm a good energy, uh, because I'm generally satisfied with most of the things in my life, then I am with someone who's making their own choice and making their own opinions about me and choosing to hang around me just because I am who I am instead of I am what I do for you. Again, for the people pleasers in the world, you might need that little message And it doesn't mean that the goal is to be happy. It doesn't mean that your goal is to try to make yourself this happy, go-lucky person. It just means when there's negativity, when there's toxicity in your life, when you're in a situation, a job, a relationship, a friendship, an environment that makes you unhappy, that is toxic, that does have some sort of emotionally radioactive qualities to it, how long are you going to expose yourself to that um, burning sensation, to that deterioration until you decide that you need to do something about it in your life, not only to make you happier, but to benefit everyone else too. Because who are you bringing to the table when you don't? Thanks for joining me today. We'll be right back. I'll say some thank yous and my closing words after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. Visit rxbar.com forward slash brain. Get the variety pack 25% off. Just use the promo code brain. Valid in the U.S. only for a limited time. But no matter where you are, it's worth it. Check it out. And I want to thank the latest reviewers in iTunes. Two of them under DC. 
I think that means under the sea. <laughs> and、uh, like Star Scream, under the sea says, "You are amazing." I recently stumbled upon your podcast when I was looking for info on how to recover from long toxic relationship. Wow, I have related to and learned so much incredible advice and examples that I am short of words to describe the positive of what you have done for me, and I'm sure that you do for many others. Thank you so much, under DC or under the sea. <laughs> you are amazing too, and um. Like Starscream titled their review as disservice, <laughs> and it sounds so negative, but they put five stars and said you're doing yourself and your loved ones a disservice if you don't give this podcast a chance. Thank you, Paul, for extending yourself out into the world. I've greatly benefited from your efforts. Now my mom and uncle are giving it a chance. Thank you, Like Starscream. I appreciate you, and thanks for anyone that、uh, leaves a review. If you left a review somewhere else and I didn't read it on the air. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And I'd also like to thank Chelsea and Travis for joining the patron program to show their support for the show. The patron program is a great way to show your support by becoming a member, and not only do you support the show that way, but you also get all the private episodes that I've created, all the workbooks, the video archive. There's all kinds of goodies in there to check out at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. That's a great way to give your monthly support, and also. There's a、uh, donate option there as well for a one-time donation, and it's definitely the backbone of this program. It keeps it going, and for those of you who have、um, been longtime supporters, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I want to give you value in every episode, and、um, certainly want to continue doing this for as long as humanly possible. If you find this show valuable to you, go over to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. I also want to thank you if you're using the Amazon link at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. That's another way to show your support. So if you shop for anything on Amazon, just go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and click on the Amazon link before you shop, and、uh, that's another way of contributing. So thank you. And let me tell you about the Safe Empowerment System for Social Anxiety. That is a work in progress. It's supposed to be done this month. Let's cross our fingers. Uh, but if you go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com/forward/slash/safe, that's S-A-F-E, you'll be able to learn a bit more about it. It is、uh, broken up into what I call learning pods and emergency pods, and those emergency pods are supposed to be what you play when you're starting to get it or when you have social anxiety, when you're experiencing it in the moment. So you can slip into the bathroom or something and put the earbuds in your ears and help walk you through and hopefully out. Of your social anxiety. So, if you experience this by doing this repeatedly, every time you you start experiencing it, the idea is to help you start rewiring your brain. I know that's not scientific. It's, I mean, if you want to talk neuroplasticity, we can. But、uh, it, the the idea is to start conditioning, giving you a new stimulus response instead of the old anxiety response. So, I'm working with several experts on this to create the most effective social anxiety. Diminishing, dissolving system I can to make your life better. So, if you experience any type of social anxiety, go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com/safe. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the Overwhelmed Brain. And I'd like to close the show with a bit of reflection. The reflection I have has to do with moving to a new place. My girlfriend and I were in a place for a few years. That's when I moved into her, her place.、Um, It got really tight, really fast, really small, really fast, and、um, we decided in a few years we're gonna buy a house, and we did. And now we're in that new place. And the reflection I have is this: 
and it's related to what I just talked about today, is that sometimes you're in a situation that isn't conducive to an easier life, a peaceful life, a stress-free life. I don't think that's possible, really. I think you can be happier. I think you can be less stressed. I think you can feel more peace. But to say, I am peace or I am happy, I, I think that's harder for a lot of people to achieve. And I don't think it's realistic. I think we can set ourselves up for disappointment if we think, I just want to be happy and that's it. Uh, we just have to know that there are challenges. Going through this move has been challenging. It's also been rewarding. But after we moved in and we, uh, every time we turn our head, there's something new that we have to fix <laughs> or do in this house. Um, they put a lot of money into it to sell it. But you know, after you live somewhere, we've been here for two weeks, after you live somewhere for a while, you just notice these small things that you never saw before. Where is the floor? Where is the trim in this, this closet? How come there's no light bulb here? <laughs> these little things that we don't understand how someone can live here for 20, 25 years or however long it was and not have fixed this by now. What about this leaking spigot in the laundry room? This is just leaking and instead of fixing it, they just cut the wall out and just left it open and we're looking at it thinking, well, why wouldn't you fix this in your house? And so we have this little bit of uh, pretentiousness <laughs> walking around thinking, well, the old owners didn't do anything or they did it badly, yet um, we don't know everything they fixed. We don't know how much more work there was before we arrived. So my empathy kicks in, and I think, well, you know, it must have been hard for them. Uh, maybe they didn't have all the skills that we have, and we can fix our own stuff. Maybe it was a lot worse before we arrived, and this is what they consider good shape. So with a little twisting of a wrench here and there, I was able to stop the leaks, and a little bit of wood filler and actual trim and cutting pieces of wood to fill in pieces of floor and things like that. All these little things, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of time-intensive work. And um, it has taken me away from a lot of my responsibilities and obligations in my business and, and for my clients and my other duties that I impose upon myself so that I can continue doing all of this stuff for the overwhelmed brain and all of these uh, shows that continue regardless of how much work I have to do outside of the overwhelmed brain. I do all of this extra effort knowing it was a lot easier when we were in a tighter, smaller space and things were taken care of for us. We were renting. You know, people take care of everything when you rent or it's supposed to. And now we own and we have to take care of it. And so the first thought might be, oh, we had it so much easier. But then I think, yeah, but I didn't want that to continue. It was too tight. It was too small. It was just not conducive to everything that we want to accomplish in our life. And um, there were many downsides. It wasn't a toxic situation by any means, but this is the reflection that I have is that sometimes we move into a space that's more difficult. It's like leaving a relationship. Sometimes that space might be more difficult. But what happens is everything you do from that point on has more meaning. It makes you feel more purposeful. It's almost as if everything you do from that point on is more of an investment in you. 
that's a great reflection to have is that when you get out of any type of more difficult, toxic, unhealthy situation or relationship, that there is more activity that you are doing that invests in you. Because you may have gotten used to how things were. And a lot of the things that you did then weren't necessarily an investment. They were just getting by. They were just tolerating. They were just counting the days. But when you finally move out of a, quote, bad situation or a toxic situation or an unhealthy situation, you suddenly start making more and more investments in you. And I think this is one of the keys to purpose and meaning is that even though life can be harder in many ways, every step you take is for you, is for a bigger purpose, is for more meaning, is for more peace or happiness or whatever your, whatever your goals are, whatever you want to achieve in your life. You may have had it easy in some ways where you were, but your investments in you give you so much more purpose, make you feel as if you are building your own unwavering foundation that's going to keep you learning, growing, and healing, and evolving so that you never get into that bad situation again. Because you deserve it. The you that you want to be, if you aren't there now, that person is in there and wants out. And yes, you might have to take a step into the abyss. You might have to take a step into that black hole not knowing what's next. And that step may be the hardest decision that you ever have to make. When you've exhausted all your efforts, when you've exhausted all your resources, that can be the hardest step. And the good news is it's always an investment in you. There's so much more to say on that, but let me just remind you to keep your mind open so that you can step into your power. This will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, And this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing.